It's a war zone out there. When it comes to IT security, we're in the fight of our lives and we've got to bring every possible weapon to bear against our enemies. That's the kind of talk you typically hear from security professionals these days. Warfare is the standard metaphor for today's IT security situation. But according to today's guest on the New Relic Modern Software Podcast, there's a better way. For one thing, if we're waging an IT security war against bad actors, we're not winning, says Esteban Gutierrez, New Relic's Director of Information Security, with more than 20 years' experience in the field. We'd do better to think of security as nurturance, he suggests. That's the premise of this episode of the New Relic Modern Software Podcast, where Esteban joins me, Frederick Paul, Editor-in-Chief at New Relic, and my co-host, New Relic Developer Evangelist Tori Wheel. Before we meet Esteban and learn a little more about his radical reimagining of IT security, be aware that you can find edited transcripts of the New Relic Modern Software Podcast on the New Relic blog, blog blog.newrelic.com. And that's also where to look for associated links, images, and other stuff connected to each episode. And for listeners who may not be familiar with New Relic, the cloud-based New Relic platform lets you know exactly what's happening in your software and systems in real time. Learn more at, yep, newrelic.com. And now let's welcome Tori here in the New Relic studio. Hey, Fred. Hi, Tori. And also Esteban Gutierrez dialing in from New Relic's Global Engineering HQ in Portland, Oregon. Hey there. How's it going? Esteban, before we delve into your ideas about security as nurturance, can you tell us a little bit about your background in infosecurity? What's your role at New Relic? And what did you do before joining us? I'm the director of information security, and I've got two teams working under me, uh, the product security team and the infrastructure and operations security team. The product security team really is focused on all the aspects of the security of our product, both uh, development, deployment, and delivery to our customers. The infrastructure operation security team really focuses on the rest of our environments, all our IT environments, our corporate environments, office networks, uh, client computers like laptops and whatnot, and the infrastructure that underlies everything else. Well, like a lot of people in technology, you know, I got a computer at a very young age and toyed around with stuff back then. I think it was a Timex Sinclair 1000 and then moved on to a Commodore 64. Nice. Uh, fast forward <laughs> Fast forward to college. I worked on a linguistics and psychology degree and uh, actually used the beginnings of the web for a lot of research and sharing of the data with other researchers. But as far as security is concerned, I guess you could say I started in, in 1995. Shortly after February 15th, I was working at an ISP down in Southern California when a fellow named Sutomo Shimomura came in, exclaiming that he had caught Kevin Mitnick. And ah. Kevin Mitnick was a- Wow, <laughs> there's a name. That kicked off my curiosity about uh, what was going on in that space. And I moved over from system administration over to looking at more security areas. Kevin Mitnick is responsible for you getting into the security field? That's awesome. I haven't told him as much. So. <laughs> Most people think of information security as warfare, as a battle. What's wrong with that? Aren't we trying to fight the bad guys? I see two issues with with information security as warfare. One is that the adversarial thinking that we use in working out a, a metaphor of warfare, it leads to adversarial thinking, and that ultimately leads to treating everyone as a potential enemy. Second, we treat it like a zero-sum game, like we could just win by completing some task or process. If As long as we patch all the servers, we're good. As long as we close all the holes, we're good. As long as we find all the security vulnerabilities and work on them, we're good. That really takes away from what I think is really important about 
the business or the things that people want to do. And that's the livelihood and growth of the business itself. Well, culture warfare is one of secrecy, adversaries, and and urgency, right? A, a need for urgent action against enemies. So when you're focused on all those processes alone, then you're really just working on the security controls or the firewalls or just building out more and more roadblocks to what the people care about, which is doing the work, getting the business out the door, deploying applications and getting services to our customers. So you're telling me we can't win. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> well, I appreciate your desire to win. But I assume you also uh, want to have a really good business. Uh, you want to have fun working. You want to make great software like we do here at New Relic. You don't need to win in order to do that. What you need to do is make sure that the things that you do in order to make great software is protected to the right level so that we're actually making sure that you can produce work safely and securely and get product out the door. So the idea of winning doesn't really make sense. If you win the info security battle, but lose the larger issue of being a successful company and having successful software, that's not getting you anything. That's not getting you anything at all. The perfect firewall is a, a wire cutter, right? But uh, what's the point in doing security if, uh, if you don't have a business to secure? I think that's a, a really critical issue. And so you, I think, uh, are trying to take a different idea about this. You're trying to let information security be seen as an enabler, not a blocker. That's right. It works primarily in a way that's represented by what I tell a lot of the people on the teams, that relationship management is their first job above everything else. So if we're not connected to what the people care about, what teams care about, uh, or what the business care about, then we really don't know what our goals are. We don't really know what we're going to protect. And so it really focuses on the reason why people are doing things. To describe that, you've come up with a, a replacement metaphor for the warfare metaphor. Right. I think you call it security is nurturance. Right. Uh, where does that come from? Tell us more about that. Like I mentioned earlier, I have a linguistics background. And in that work in the long ago past, I did some work on metaphors and the way that metaphorical thinking impacts how you perceive the world and how you live your life. I just noticed that there was so much warlike thinking focused on things like DMZs and bastion servers and intrusion monitoring, kill chains. A lot of the processes and even the tools that we use are just very combat or warfare focused. I mean, it just seemed like this wasn't getting us anywhere. And I still think it doesn't get us anywhere, right? People ignore security policies and guidance because it's often gets in the way of what they're trying to do. And we're focused on blocking, intercepting, and negating behavior that's critical to so much of the work that people do today. Information security is an obstacle, not a resource. What I like to bring to the fore is what is it that people are trying to accomplish? And what is it the business is trying to do? And what is it that people care about? And now let's figure out what we need to do to protect those things. So it takes a lot of uh, a lot of work in terms of being connected to the business, being connected to people. Security as nurturance is really about treating security as a means to protect the productivity and growth of the business, making it safe and secure for people to do the things that are important to them. It's making sure that there's a connection to the value of what people are trying to do. This sounds like a really interesting approach. What do you see are the risks to this approach opposed to the adversarial way of looking at things? The approach by itself isn't complete. For me, it's more about a philosophy that drives other processes and technology and changes. At the end of the day, we still need to be worried about a, a determined attacker or someone who has it out for, for a company or a business. 
But as far as the day-to-day business of security is concerned, as far as the day-to-day work that we do with others in a company or in our own lives, we don't need to be treating that like a warfare. So how does that play out in the real world? How does it change the the day-to-day practices of a security team? Like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of focus on relationships. And there's a lot of focus on connection and spending time with the engineering teams and the people that make up the business. And also doing the work of understanding what it is that they're trying to do and how they're doing it so that we get a sense of their story and their day-to-day lives. So it's about connecting and building relationships. We also have to focus on getting visibility and data and understanding the security context of what's going on in the environment, understanding the impact of new security bugs or holes that are found every day, understanding how those uh, configurations might lead to a problem later on, and then being very transparent about that visibility that we have into something that communicates issues that are relevant to those teams. When we understand that there's a security problem or a bug with a piece of software or code, We like to spend time with those teams to actually show them how to exploit it and uh, teach them not just how it works, but the impact that it might have on the rest of what they're doing. A lot of traditional security teams tend to be pretty secretive about the bugs they find. They don't want people to know about Mm -hmm. them because they're afraid that people will misuse them. But uh, our approach is 180 degrees the opposite way. We actually like to share information with folks so that they know exactly how things work. We find that that's really the best way to hook people into caring about this. So in addition to changing the rules for security teams, how does it change things for other people in the company? How does their approach to security have to change in this kind of environment? One way in which we see the impact on the culture here is that people take it more seriously. They actually are interested in, in security and will often come to us with bugs or issues that they find in their own software or in other software. And it's even fair to say that we have quite a few people in the engineering org who are security experts in their own right, um, but who have decided to focus mostly on programming. And I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. So if I'm a security professional, I'm listening to this and I go, yeah, I've had it with the adversarial mode. How would you recommend them thinking about helping their organization transition to something that's more nurturing? It really is about the connection and the relationships. But in order to be able to do something with that, you really do need data and visibility and transparency. You have to measure different aspects of the environment and get a lot of visibility to figure out what's going on with uh, things like software development practices, the number of bugs that are being found by analysis tools, the impact of vulnerabilities that get released out almost every day. So we spend a lot of time building out that visibility, then translating that visibility into dashboards or reports that the teams actually care about. We actually want to show people what's going on in the environment. And we believe that that transparency actually helps with uh, the most critical part of this, which is holding people mm. accountable. At the end of the day, I think people actually do care about security. They want to do what's right. They just want to make sure that it is the right thing, not just for the business or for some security standard or best practice, but that it's actually the the right security thing Mm -hmm. for them. And they can't do that without the information that we give them. Where would you put New Relic in the transition toward this? Are we living in a world of security as nurturance? I believe that we're on the way there. A lot of my thinking on this evolved after a few stints at some places that have very large security teams and a lot of people and a lot of money focused on managing IT security. When I came to New Relic, um, I took the job here 
because of conversations with Sean Gordon, our CSO. There's a bunch of efforts in the industry right now that are driving towards security programs that are focused on access control and letting people get to the right level of data or information that they need to get to um, based on what they're trying to do and the trust of those devices. Some of that is called the user-focused model or the zero-trust networks or Google's Beyond Corp efforts. So there's some companies out there that are kind of on a similar path. Etsy is a big one. We've looked at a lot of their practices, and they've got some great tooling that's focused on that. This thinking on nurturance really gelled when I was listening to Lou, our founder, talk about a year and a half ago at an offsite. He really spoke at length about New Relic's approach to visibility, to data, and making sure that the right information was delivered to people at the right time so that they can make effective business decisions. In my mind, I saw that's that's exactly what security needs to do. We need to actually get the right information to people so that they can make the right decision about security. That's awesome. So what you're talking about is bringing the New Relic philosophy about vi- the importance of visibility into the security field. It felt almost too good to be true, but I think it actually works out pretty well. I have a particular interest in DevOps, and I just wanted to hear your take. We all talk about uh, shifting security left and the phrase DevSecOps. Tell me what you think about all that and how does it relate to nurturance? I think it's great. I think think DevSecOps is definitely in line with the with the philosophy and thinking about nurturance especially because it's focused on on the on things like data and transparency and really being connected to what it is that engineering teams are trying to do deployment life cycles coding pull requests all, all that stuff is really uh, integral to to what we're trying to do we have to understand not just how people work but what is it that they're trying to work on one of the other aspects of devsecops is automation right, and tooling And the nurturance culture approach to information security actually relies very heavily on automation uh, in order to do things like build out that visibility, to translate it and transform it into information that's, uh, that's relevant and actionable to the people that need to use it. I love your perspective because I think we've all realized in this business, you can't do it all, whatever it is, um, automate all the things or track all the data in the world or plug every possible security hole. You do the important stuff, right? And get the important yeah, stuff Yeah, these, these traditional security practices, even just simple patching, doesn't really scale very well once you go to environments that consist of hundreds or thousands of containers that are deployed uh, for a very short amount of times to address a, a surge in uh, a services. Do you have any tips or best practices for companies that might want to move to a more nurturing model away from the warfare model? There's a couple of things that I could recommend. From a technical perspective or a technology perspective, take a look at the work that Etsy's done or even Facebook and some of the SaaS companies in terms of the automation and the tools and technologies that they're building out to do things like get visibility into their infrastructure or into how their clients work, like laptops or mobile phones. And they're doing that work. We're doing that work too in order to be able to assess those systems to make decisions on how to give them access to different data. There's a really great GitHub repo called Stethoscope. And this is a a tool that actually lets us evaluate very quickly the security status of a laptop, which we can then turn around and use to make a decision about how much access we should give it to the environment, whether or not we should let it VPN into the production network or just let it have access to email based on things like how well patched it is, how long has the system been running, how many users are using that system at that time. 
so on and so forth. For our listeners, if you check the blog post, we'll have a link to that repo. In this transition to a new security approach, how do you judge success? What are the KPIs for knowing whether your move to security as nurturance is working? That's a really good question. And it's one that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about recently as we try to evolve our practices that in that direction. Some of those KPIs, I think, are going to be attached to the the stories that the users or the business have in terms of things like deploys, uh, getting services out the door, or maybe the cadence and speed at which uh, things like MMFs or uh, sprints are worked on. And there's a need for us as an information security team being able to keep up with those things so that we can continually understand what people are trying to do, but also uh, assess and give them the right information they need. So for us, there's some that are related right, uh, to, to how many reviews we can do, uh, how much uh, inventory we have access to. And I, by that, I mean digi- digital assets, like the number of systems or containers or servers that are out there. One big measure is really how much visibility do we have into what people are doing and to the technical environment itself. There's a few other KPIs more related to security itself. And one that we're really focusing on is mean time to detect. How quickly can we detect issues in the environment and then turn around and deliver that to people to take action on? It really depends very heavily on things like inventory and visibility, because then we can look for deviations in our environment and and then turn around and uh, give that to folks who can then turn around and say, okay, I think this is a problem we need to work on. Or actually, no, that's not a real big issue to our environment. So we can take some more time on that. Anything else you'd like to share about security as nurturance? Security as nurturance is really important to me for a lot of different reasons. I have a 14-year-old daughter, and the more I think about raising her and what I need to do to protect and enable her as she grows and develops and becomes an adult, the the idea of taking that traditional masculine approach of uh, (laughs) sitting on the porch with a shotgun or whatnot, right? Like that never appealed to me. So So you want to date my daughter, right? (laughs) And uh, for one, it takes a, seems to remove a lot of agency from her. There's a theme there of agency, of enabling teams to be able to do what they need to do. It's important for me to be connected to my daughter, understand what she needs to get done to help her develop the skills and knowledge to to do those things, but also to do them in a secure way so that she's thinking about risk as she moves along in her life. Esteban, thank you so much. Uh, I believe you've articulated a far more powerful, far more sustainable approach to security than today's warfare model that's so common, uh, which as you point out, we're not winning anyway. I think with security's nurturance, a cooperative, collaborative approach fits well with New Relic's mission and approach to help stakeholders throughout our customers' organization have visibility into the impact of every change in their software and systems and find and fix errors and get everyone on the same page and ultimately be able to innovate more confidently. And if you want to find out more about that, you guessed it, go to newrelic.com. Big thanks to Tori Wilt, hashtag best co-host ever, and our audio engineer, Kyle Jones, for today's podcast. We're interested in your feedback, so please feel free to tell us what you think on Twitter, hashtag Modern Software Podcast. To avoid missing an episode, subscribe to the New Relic Modern Software Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. I'm Frederick Paul. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can rely on New Relic because you need to know right right now. now.